You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Good morning, 11 AMers. You are my people because we go to the 11 AM. We like to go slow, enjoy coffee in the morning, and then head to church. So you are my people, and it is a privilege to be with you today and to be able to share the word with you. I am going to confess that I'm not the most tech-savvy person. You might have already guessed that by the old school Bible and the paper notes that I have just put down. But my brother didn't quite realize just how untech savvy I am when he bought me a very generous gift about 12 years ago. He bought me this little gadget here called an iPod Shuffle. Now, if you are a bit younger than I am and you're thinking, well, what the heck is an iPod Shuffle? This was the device that you wanted before smartphones because this gave you the ability to play the songs, listen to the things wherever you went. You could apparently, I don't know because here's the thing, I never used it, load all your favorite tracks and messages and things onto your iPod Shuffle. And he thought, oh, this would be awesome for Amy. She could listen to the things she likes to listen to wherever she goes. But not only have I never used it, I've never even plugged it in. Do you know why? I don't know how to use it. So I have had this incredibly capable, high-tech device sitting in my home for well over 10 years, and I've never got to enjoy the benefits of what I own because I don't understand it. And I think if we're really honest, often it's the same for us with Holy Spirit. We have been given this incredible, generous, costly gift. It took Christ's death and resurrection and glorification to make Holy Spirit available to us And yet so often we don't reap the benefits of the gift that we've been given because we don't understand him and we don't understand our part to play in his work in our lives. You know, in John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus made this incredible statement. He said, I tell you the truth, it is for your good. Some translations will say it is best for you, it's to your advantage, it's for your benefit, it's profitable for you that I am going away. Because unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Holy Spirit is our advantage to navigate this life well. And Jesus so longed for us to understand this advantage, to understand this gift that he spent much of his last days with the disciples talking about Holy Spirit. Now, if you've ever had the privilege and the pain of sitting with someone who knows that their time is coming to an end, you will know that they choose their words very carefully. They do not have time to waste. And so they're going to focus in on what they really want you to know, what they think is of the utmost importance And in John chapter 13 through to 17, we get Christ's last words, so to speak. 
He knows that the cross is coming and he knows that his days with his disciples are numbered. And so he is very intentional about what he teaches them. And a huge majority of those chapters focus in on the work of Holy Spirit. And so today, we are going to be unpacking some of what he taught in John chapter 14 about this advantage that we've been given. And I want you to lean into it thinking, Jesus thought this was so important for me to know that he chose to focus in on it in his last days. So if you have got your Bibles or your Bible app, I want you to open it with me to John chapter 14. And we are going to, first of all, just focus on what Jesus says about Holy Spirit, and then we're going to come back through and dig into some of the wider chapter. So in John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. I want to pause there because he wasn't just saying, you know, don't, don't get too worried about stuff. The idea here was that the disciples were troubled to the very core of their being, that the foundations of their faith were being shaken. Because in the preceding chapter, what Jesus has said to them is, I'm going. It's time for me to depart. And they had a certain expectation of what Jesus was going to do for them. They knew that he was the Messiah. They were convinced that he was the one they had been waiting for. But they expected that he was going to overthrow the Roman rule and set them free from physical oppression. And that hasn't happened. And they're like, hang on, Jesus. You're going, but you haven't done what we thought you were going to do. This isn't how it's meant to go. You know, and as I've had the privilege of preparing and bringing this message across our campuses as part of our outpouring series, I've just been so aware that there are things for many of us that have deeply troubled us in recent times. There are people here who the very core, the foundations of your faith have been shaken because life is not playing out how you expected it to. God is not working how you understood and anticipated that he would. And so Jesus isn't just saying this to the disciples, he's saying it to you and to me, and he's about to tell us why we don't need to be shaken in our faith even if everything around us is being shaken. So he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. In verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Then in verse 25, he says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things 
and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Friends, we do not need to live troubled. We do not need to live with a spirit of fear because Holy Spirit, the gift of peace, the gift of counsel is with us and within us and Jesus says he will never, ever leave us. Holy Spirit is our parakletos. Your translation might say he's your counselor, he's your advocate, he's your comforter. And if we were to look at the meaning of that word, parakletos, we get like a job description for Holy Spirit. It means summoned and called to one side, especially called to one's aid. Holy Spirit's job is to come and stand by your side and to help you navigate this life. It also means one who pleads another's cause before a judge, defense counsel, an advocate. One who pleads another's cause with one, an intercessor. And in the widest sense, a helper, a succorer. I had to look that up because I don't know about you. I haven't dropped that word in a sentence lately. But it means call to help in a time of distress. Holy Spirit specializes in the times when we are in distress. He is our aider and he is our assistant. So when the enemy attacks and accuses, Holy Spirit is the one who speaks up for you. He is your advocate. When you don't know how to pray or you need someone to stand in the gap for you, Romans 8 not only says that not only does Holy Spirit pray through you, he prays for you. He is your intercessor. When you are grieving, and you are in distress, Holy Spirit is your comforter. He's the one who comes alongside and ministers to you and builds you back up. And when you're thinking, I have no idea what to do next, Holy Spirit is your teacher. He is your guide. Jesus said in John 16, he is the one who will lead you into all truth. And Jesus so longs for us to not just know this theoretically, but to experience it. You know, our family has had a front row seat in the last few years at just how good Holy Spirit is at his job. We've been working through a particularly painful mental health journey with one of our children, and when the enemy has accused me and I have been wrestling with what have I done or not done as a mother for my child to be suffering in this way? Holy Spirit is the one who has spoken up with truth, who has defended me. But he hasn't just defended me, he has been defending my child. And I could give you testimony after testimony of how he has orchestrated events so that we have just the right person at just the right time. In the public mental health system, we have been given Christian practitioners. He has been at work, and I know that as hard as the season has been, 
He hasn't left anything to chance. When I have had no capacity left to pray, he has raised up people to pray for us. And again, I could tell you testimony after testimony of people who have reached out and again at just the right time said, Holy Spirit, put your child, put your family on my heart. This is the vision. This is the picture that I was given. This is the scripture. This is what God told me to pray. And so while Holy Spirit has been our comforter coming alongside as we grieve the suffering and the loss for our child and what it has meant for our family and our other children, he's also been building us up, giving us hope because he's showing us what the Father is doing, what the Father sees for the future. And when I've reached the end of my wisdom and I've thought, I have no idea what to do next. Holy Spirit is the one who says, say this, don't say that, try this, reach out to that person. He's the one who sometimes said, Amy, this isn't even your battle today. You can just rest. And you know, in the same way that we have experienced just how good a helper, just how good a counselor he is, he wants to do the same for you. In your marriage, in your parenting, in your workplace, in that health issue that you're facing, whatever it is that you're staring at today and you think, I just don't know, Holy Spirit does. But so often we minimize him and we downplay his role and we say things, and I'm putting my hand up, I have said things like this, I just wish Jesus was in the room. I just wish Jesus was here with me and he would tell me what to do. Holy Spirit is not less than Jesus. When Jesus introduced him to his disciples, he said, I'm sending you another counselor. That word seems insignificant for us in our English, but he chose a specific Greek word for another, alos. And it meant another of the same kind, the same kind in a different form. And as we study scripture, we see that both Jesus and Holy Spirit are sent by the Father. They are both advocates, they are both intercessors, they are both with us. And just as the Son does and says what he sees and hears the Father doing, Holy Spirit tells us what he hears Jesus saying. The Trinity works in this beautiful sense of unity, this mirroring of one another, each looking to the other and passing the message on, so to speak. And Holy Spirit wants to do that for us. John 16 tells us that he comes and he reveals to us what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is doing. He is our advantage. And the reason that he is our advantage, the reason he is the right member of the Trinity to be on earth at this point in time is this. When Jesus chose to come to earth incarnate, in flesh, he constrained himself to the limitations of a physical body. That means if he is here this morning, he could not be with any of our other campuses. But Holy Spirit can be. And that means that none of us 
ever have to be without the presence and the counsel of God. Why? Because he's not only with us, he's within us, which means when we step out of here, we each carry him with us. He comes with us into our home, into our school, into our workplace. Everywhere we step, he steps with us. But we have a part to play. Because there was nothing wrong with this iPod shuffle. It would probably work today still if I had the chords. The problem was me. I didn't know how to use it, and I didn't have the time to figure it out. And we have a part to play in Holy Spirit being free to work and to move in our lives. And in the last moments that we have together, I just want to give you three things, three postures that you're going to need to be intentional about cultivating in your heart and life if you want to live with this benefit. And the first thing that you're going to need is you're going to need a posture of faith. You know, as Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back and you're going to get to be with me the disciples have some questions, and Thomas says to him in verse 5, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip pipes up and says, could you just let us see the Father? Then that would be enough, Jesus. And Jesus is kind of like, guys, how long have I been with you? Don't you know that to see me is to see the Father? And from now on, you have seen him? And he keeps saying this. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I hope you heard the words that I was laboring. Believe, 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 have faith. Throughout John, this is a key theme, and constantly there is this phrase, believe and receive. There are blessings that God has for us that we cannot receive unless we first believe, and Holy Spirit is one of them. But what is it that we are being asked to believe? That Jesus is the way. When he said that, It was a reference back to the first mention in Genesis 3, where we're told that the angels guarded the way to the tree of life. The tree of life was what sustained life in the garden as God intended it to be. And for a season, there was no way to reach that tree of life. And so what Jesus is saying is, 
I am the way, the way to be back with the Father, the way to be back in the garden, dwelling with him, living as he intended. I am the path there, and it is wide open now, and I am the truth, and I am the life. You cannot receive the spirit of truth unless we first believe the truth. And here's the thing, if we really believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is the way and he is the truth and he is the life, it's going to change how we live our own life. We are going to let him be Lord. We are going to let him be master, not just for a moment, not just when we pray a nice prayer, but continuously each and every day. And if we are going to let him be Lord, we're going to need to adopt the second posture, a posture of obedience. In John 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. Then in verse 21, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And then Jesus wraps up this passage by pointing us to his own obedience, saying, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. You know, as we talk about obedience, I want to be really clear. You cannot earn Holy Spirit by being good. He is a free gift of grace that you receive when you place faith in Jesus Christ. Nor can you lose him when you go out of here and you make a mistake. Ephesians says he is God's seal upon our lives, the promise and the guarantee of all that is to be worked out through us and in us and all that awaits us in eternity. But what we can determine is the ease by which he is able to flow and to move through us. And we do that by our willingness to be obedient. Obedience is the measure by which God assesses what he can trust you with. If you are a parent, if you have led any kind of team, you will know how true this is. The person that you give more responsibility and more privilege to is the one who has shown themselves trustworthy, the one who has taken care of what you have already given to them, the one who has demonstrated a care and concern for their relationship with you, for the culture of your home, for the culture of your workplace. That's the one that you are going to keep giving more to, that you're going to trust more and share more with. The psalmist says that God confides, he shares his secrets with those who reverence and fear him. You know, so often we're like, Holy Spirit, I want you to tell me exactly what to do in this situation. We want him to be our counselor, but we're completely ignoring 
what he's already told us. And what I've learned is that if we want specific guidance, we need to first practice general obedience. And by that I mean we get back to this, we open our Bible, we do the things that it tells us to do. We gather with other believers, we worship, we serve, we give, we pray. We practice hospitality. And as you do that, as you cultivate a heart for the things that God has said are important to him, you better believe and expect that he will speak into your specific situation and give you specific guidance to be obedient to. But it is not about just coming and ticking off a list and saying, I showed up at church on Sunday. I put some money in the offering. The very word that Jesus uses for obey is tadeo, and it means to guard, to keep, to carefully attend to. It is a heart posture that says, God, it's not about must. It's not about should. I desire to care about what you care about. Because our willingness to obey is not just about what and who we believe. Ultimately, it is about who we love. And the final posture that we must adopt if we want to see Holy Spirit moving freely in our lives, if we want to reap the benefits of this advantage, is love. You know, when the religious leaders of Jesus' time who were all about the rule-keeping and the tick ticking off the list, came to him and said, what's the greatest command? He said, love me. Love me with all that you are. And from Genesis through to Revelation, we encounter a God who just longs to be with his people. What does Jesus say for the one who loves him? He says, I will love him and I will show myself to him. My father will love him, and we, father and son, will come to him, and we will make our home with him. You know, when Jesus opens this chapter, and he says, I'm going to go, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, there's nuances of bridal customs in that language, but there's also the temple language in there in the original Greek and Hebrew. And what Jesus is saying is he's pointing us to the eternal temple when Jesus himself will be our temple and he will come and God, we're told in Revelation 21, will make his dwelling with his people. He's pointing us to the hope that we've already sung about this morning that when we see the grave, we will see Jesus but he's also pointing us to the hope that we have now, that they will come and they will make their home with us right now. That the Holy Spirit, whose presence was once constrained to the most holy place that only one man once a year could enter, now in all his power and in all his glory, has taken up residence in us and we are the temple. And we get to dwell in communion and intimacy as God always intended. The team could come. You know, there's a fruit of this intimacy of Holy Spirit 
and Father and Son through Holy Spirit making themselves at home in our lives. It's that we get to step into that mirroring. Just as the Son looks to the Father and the Spirit looks to the Son, as we learn to look to the Spirit, we grow in our ability to hear and to see and to discern what they are doing. And then we get to partner with them in it. We get to step into what Jesus said would be greater things. He wasn't saying we would become greater than him. The servant cannot be greater than the master. But what he was saying was this. He knew he had been restricted to a specific geographical location. But we don't have that limitation anymore. We get to carry the good news. We get to carry the signs and the wonders, the wisdom and the counsel and the presence and the glory of God everywhere we go. And as we leave here, we take Holy Spirit with us. And he doesn't just want to speak into our circumstances. He wants to use us to speak into others. We get to partner with God. To partner and release the hope of what he is doing in this generation at this point in time if we will lean into the advantage we have been given. Father, I want to thank you that you have not left us alone, that you have sent your spirit to be the ultimate counsellor. We thank you that we carry his presence into every situation, everywhere that we go. And I just pray this morning that faith would arise to receive him, that desire to obey that love would be rekindled so that he might be free to move in all his power and in all his wisdom and in all his glory in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz